Going through the two-step and cowboy boogie there, sweetheart and sweetheart. Let me do the hold down and get it. I, I like this guy. I gotta say. All right, here we go. Let's start it up. Well, hello and welcome to Movies on the Side. You know, we got another shout out from our free mind friends. I don't know if you heard that. Oh, no, I didn't. Yes, yeah. Have you listened to the NBA episode yet? I haven't. I haven't been able to find it. Oh, you got to listen to it. We mentioned you by name. Seth refuses to remember the name of this podcast. He says, uh, what are the, movie, the podcast you guys do uh, inside the movies. Inside the movies. At the movies with your friends. No, no. At the movies is that series that every church does. No. <laughs> this is movies on the side. I am Nate Baranowski. And I'm Stephen Robles. And this is the Jake Gyllenhaal fan cast. Yes. Yes, it is. This is our what, second Jake Gyllenhaal movie. We did Prince of Persia, oh. now this. Yep. Yep. Listen, but before we get to the movie, quickly, listener, if you jumped to this one and skipped our Aladdin episode, let me encourage you. You've made a grave mistake. Yes, a grave error. You must go back. You must listen to our Aladdin episode. If anything, just listen to the top five at the end because I spent a lot of time editing it and I take great pride <laughs> in that, that part. So you go listen to our Aladdin episode and uh, let us know what you think. Well, I just wanted to say, you were probably just about to say it, so I really threw off your groove, That's fine. but we just recorded a Patreon episode about the get-up and other um, <laughs> choreographed dances. That's right. It was a lot of fun. We both downloaded TikTok and looked at it for the first time together. Spoiler alert, we then uninstalled TikTok. <laughs> yes, we uninstalled it and then defragged our phones. Scramble the passwords. Patreon.com slash movies on the side and you can check out our bonus episodes because we do bonus episodes all the time pretty much every week and you can enjoy us talking about uh dancing and stuff and and other fun topics but today we're talking about spider-man far from home but even before that number one listener we would love it if you posted about our aladdin episode and tagged will smith <laughs> it is my life's goal to become an egot but since i'm probably not going to become an egot my second goal is to have will smith listen to our aladdin episode you know what yeah steven as we talked as we uh did that recording i did have the thought were we too harsh to will smith in that in that episode <sighs> maybe i wanted will smith to listen and then i had the worry oh is that going to make will smith sad i don't know if you were will smith would you be sad if you listened to our episode Maybe. I don't know if you listened to the final version that went out, but I did kind of cut out some of our critiques towards the beginning. Oh, we did, we did make it a Will Smith fan cast. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> but honestly, I'd like to know if you have any rebuttals or things you'd like to revisit from your review. I have a lot of things I'd like to revisit from that one. Considering I listen, I usually listen to our episodes one time after they get yes. posted. Yes. I have now listened to it three times because I did a long drive to virginia right uh and you sent me some beta beta versions <laughs> those are early releases yep right i regret our top five i regret my top five i got cute i should have just kind of stuck with what was true and noble and honorable <laughs> but all of this to say at the end of the year i think we're going to make kind of an apology tour episode where we revisit our top fives <laughs> and revisit our reviews. And I'm excited to go back yeah. and correct some of my mistakes from that episode. Sorry, guys. We will do that at the end of the year. We will revisit. I just want to say I've been listening to the 2019 Aladdin soundtrack here and there, driving in the car. Mm -hmm. And I think I, I might enjoy some of those newer versions more than I did. I know. I listened to Arabian Nights a couple times afterwards. Even yeah. like... Yeah. I'm not sure if it's bottom two. Yeah, it's not great, 
It might not be bottom two, though. Right. Yeah. And I also think Speechless has grown on me. I was kind of meh on it when we recorded, and I was saying yeah. that it was basically good in the movie. I've been listening to it just in the car. Yeah. Ooh, I kind of like it. That bridge? Yeah. And there's also, I don't know if you in the where you're listening to it, there's like Speechless Part 1, Speechless Part 2... That are like and from then the like movies. the whole version all put together. Then the whole right? version, the whole version put together is a very different feel, I, right? I think absolutely, and it, like like good. I yeah, I I agree. So I think I would be higher on Speechless. It may even touch my top five. It may even like yeah. squeeze in at five or an honorable mention at this point. So we'll revisit at the end of the year. That's right. Check out our Aladdin episode and let us know what you think. And I like how Jacob watched uh, the time machine with your mom and gave us uh, first first-hand feelings about. Do you have any uh, corrections you want to make to your time machine love? Jacob supposedly said the line in the movie is Guy Pierce says I could watch her die a thousand times and not save her, implying that maybe he only did go back once. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to pull this movie up right now and I want to actually see what the line was. Okay, while you do that, here's the kind yes. of research that I did looking into this. Okay. I actually found the original script for the movie The Time Machine. Oh. Now original like the 1960s? No, like original like oh, for the script one. that was yeah. in 2000 that eventually became, you know, was written then to be used in the movie in 2002. Gotcha. In the script, they don't have the conversation with his friend at all. So my guess is they retconned that scene because focus groups looked at that and said, wait, he only tried once. And I think they put that line in there to basically be like, no, I, I, I could do this a lot, but I would just see her die. So I'm not going to. I think that was added later. That's my new um, hypothesis. You know what? I, I have to say, Jacob, you're right. <laughs> he does say I could go back a thousand times. And watch her die, whatever, but... He tries once. He tries once. Well, that mm. changes my whole feeling of the movie. This guy's a jerk. Half. <laughs> I forgot what we ranked it on. Half Locket. Oh. Well, I go back to my original statement from that episode. I would have tried at least like 10 times, 10 different ways. And if he keeps not being able to save her, then figure out what's going on. But Yep. Yeah, yep. He gave a little too quick. I'll give you that. All right, Stephen, what movie are we doing this time? This week, we are reviewing the 2019 Spider-Man colon Far From Home. <laughs> well, I wanted to get all those in there. This is the sequel to the Tom Holland Spider-Man Homecoming, which I don't know. How do you feel about those titles playing off each other? Homecoming and then Far From Home. I like it. Yeah, it's not bad. I like the connection between them. Yeah, it's okay. John Watts directed both. I like the tie-in. This movie got huge rankings on Rotten Tomatoes. This is a 90% critic score, mm. tomato approved, and 95% audience satisfaction. It, it seems widely loved by pretty much everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody. I, you know, I don't know where to start with this movie. If you have not seen this movie yet, one of the parts is going to be terribly spoiled by us talking about it. So I would say if you have any desire to watch this movie and actually have the payoff of the non-spoiler like go watch it and then uh, come back and, and listen to this because i i did not expect what happened in this movie oh okay like i knew okay i'm just gonna we're gonna say it spoilers right. alerts spoilers alerts alert i knew mysterio 
was a bad guy. Right. But some somehow in all the trailers and in all the ways that people talked about this movie, they really did a good job of hiding how he becomes a bad guy. And like the fact that he was a bad guy too. Like I really thought this movie was just going to play out and somehow in post credit scenes, we were going to show him turning into a bad guy or starting down that path. Sure. Or he turns bad. Right. Like he goes to the dark side, basically. Right. The fact that he was bad from the very beginning and the way they played that off, like I found it really well done and really satisfying. Like when they're in that bar scene and you see Jake Gyllenhaal finally turn, basically, like to show his true colors. I was really pleased with that. I was like, man, that's a good switch. Switcheroo. See, that wasn't so hard. (laughs) Somebody get this stupid costume off me. I agree with you. I knew beforehand just doing my Mysterio comic background. I knew he was a um, illusionist, like a trickster. Right. That's not what it seems sort of thing. So, okay, I was on it. I was ready for that. He plays it so like good in the first, whatever, 40 minutes of the movie where he's supposed to be a good guy. Yeah. He's playing what an like an avenger is supposed to be what a superhero is supposed to be very stoic very like by the book right. the turn when peter parker gives him the edith glasses in that bar scene and then he walks out i think that was one of my favorite parts of the movie because he kind of breaks and starts laughing as the whole scene yes. crumbles around him right that was really good that reveal was very good that was re- i also john watts the director pointed out in that scene in the line of sight of peter parker as he looks at mysterio there are things behind him that are supposed to subconsciously play into him giving him the glasses really? so there are medals to show like war hero there are actually like pictures of glasses so kind of like how you use you know a mentalist would use like leading things to get you to do something he wants you to do wow. you show in that scene they're trying to make sure peter parker gives the glasses and i think that's really cool huh that is very cool now that turn was so cool i think the jake gyllenhaal just as a pure bad guy after that not my favorite really yep i guess i was still so taken aback by how well he played the first half mm-hmm. that the little bit of crazed maniac that he had like i i was i was down for it i was like oh all right i, I kind of enjoyed it but what what didn't you like about it well during that turn he kind of came off as like charismatic boss like a steve jobs-esque but like you know kind of a, a man of the people like he was supposed to be like we did this tony stark didn't care about us at all and we like we kind of rose up and did this hmm. when he starts acting like super angry at people and yelling Oh, yeah. I don't know. It was a bit scenery chewing in a way that I would have liked a more subtle bad Jake Gyllenhaal, where he wasn't so, didn't have his screws loose at all, but he was a little bit more put together, a little bit more of a charismatic leader who just had like made these really immoral decisions versus someone who is like, ah, Peter Parker. I am trying to fool 7 billion people here, including Nick Fury, who happens to be the most paranoid and most dangerous person on the planet. And if he catches on before I've killed him, then he will put a bullet in my head. And nobody wants a bullet in their head, right? Right? Yeah, I do like, just since we're staying on Mysterio, the post-credit scenes when he... Well, first of all, the final like fight between the two of them, I found pretty enjoyable. 
even the tricks all the way up till the end were interesting. Agreed. And I think made the fight scene cool. And then the post credit scene where he delivers a video revealing Spider-Man's identity to New York, that was pretty conniving too. I was like, wow, they really did that. Yes. Yeah, those moments were cool, I thought. I really enjoyed the illusion stuff. Yes. The fact like doing the illusions to mess with him. Like that is what makes Mysterio v Spider-Man a fair fight. Right. Is because if he doesn't do that, then it's just a normal guy getting beat up by a super powered kid. <laughs> right. Not as fun. But I love the like you have something that makes it so you can really beat up Spider-Man in the earlier scene. A bad guy really has to like kick butt against the superhero for a bit to show that like i am a worthy villain against right you. i did like the action in this movie i felt like the action was fun to watch and the all the venice scenes and i think what is it london at the end i liked i thought those it was fun to watch okay this is this is kind of where the movie gets a little bleh for me mm, okay i think the drones i wasn't quite feeling the drones the drones plus these illusions plus CG Spider-Man jumping throughout them, which at times was kind of cool. At times I couldn't quite figure out what was happening. Yeah. I kind of spaced out. It disconnected me from Tom Holland, who I think is the best part of these movies. Mm. Him actually seeing his face. Yeah. Actually like doing some acting in one review. I heard it as he has that boyish charisma that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield could only dream of having, like that is true <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah. Fair when enough. he's just jumping around and you can't see Tom Holland act, every once in a while you get his voice. I kind of, it got a little bit. I get that. Blah, like you can give me enough explosions, enough things happening. I don't feel the stakes. The only stakes that I really felt was at the very end where he's got his mask off and right. Beck has the illusion of him and, Peter Parker stops him from shooting him in the head. Right. You didn't feel the stakes in Venice when like the school kids are running around and Spider-Man is trying to hold the steeple up and stuff. No. <laughs> are you, do Why you not? think they're going to kill the school? Like no, no, no high schooler will die in these movies. No high schooler was hurt in the shooting of these movies. <laughs> and so I never felt <laughs> like any of them were at possible of being at risk. Like it's like kidnapping Ned. Do you think they're going to put a bullet in Ned's head? No. But it gives Tom Holland motivation sure. like i believe tom holland because didn't he do that in homecoming too weren't there was also yeah. some sort of steeple thing that he was... yeah, yeah 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 oh not a steeple okay. right it was the monument yeah it was the, it was the monument the obelisk okay well first of all you mentioned ned a second ago Th this is a complete side note well first i'll say i really like ned Leeds's character i think he's fun and funny what do you think about him he's fine he's fine I like the I like the bully guy and I like MJ more than Ned. But Ned's You fine. like the bully yes. guy? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Do you have any idea how much opera tickets cost? No. Because none of us have ever wanted to go to the opera. Ever. Well now you you mean the guy that's also trying to get with MJ or the other guy? That's no, like, the other guy. That's Instagramming himself constantly? Yeah, so the the guy who basically is like, I love Spider Man and then Peter Parker comes in and he's like, You dinkwad. <laughs> But I love Spider-Man. Well, anyway, Ned, the actor's name is Jacob Batalon, Batalon. And in the Spider-Man movies, he has like a luscious head of hair. Mm -hmm. And in every press photo, he has no hair. I And I can't figure out, did he shave his head by choice? Does he wear a wig in the movie? Was that actually his hair? Do you have any information on, on the hair situation? 
Okay. Uh, speaking as a bald man. Mm, yes. I think what we have here is someone who is losing his hair. A little male pattern baldness, perhaps. Oh, okay. I could be wrong. I could be so wrong in this. He's 23 years old, just for the record. What do you think with the little relationship with him and the girl, like, you know, on the plane, where it was like an um... <laughs> I thought it was a fun... Side, side plot. We actually got to talking on the plane, and it turns out we have a lot in common. So uh, we're boyfriend and girlfriend now. Whatever happened to being an American bachelor in Europe? Peter, those were the words of a boy. And that boy met a woman. Babe? Coming, babe. I think that Ned with his girlfriend was a fun uh, commentary on high school relationships. Right. And the fact that they like are broken up by the time they get back home. And they make some comment about how like this, uh, you know, we all learned from this and we grew apart like during this time. That feels exactly <laughs> right. like something I would have heard from two people that were dating in high school. Like, <laughs> exactly, no, we're still exactly. friends. We just we've grown into different people. And it's like you were dating for a month. Right. I love that. Since we're talking about romances, yes, I want to do romance romance corner with you with at least two other couples, if not more. Okay, number one, Happy and Aunt May, John Favreau and Marissa Tomei. What say you? Hey, oh, you look lovely. Thanks, you too. Thank you. New dress? Uh, yeah, yes, it is. It's a new beard. It's my my blip beard because I grew it in the blip. Fun, fine, unnecessary, but I liked it. I think when John Favreau kind of has a little bit of the goofiness, I like it. I actually yeah. just watched the first Iron Man back when he was in that movie. Oh yeah, I like that he's been around the MCU throughout this whole thing. Yeah, and you know he's di- he's directed some too. Right, he has. Yeah, yeah. I think him and Marissa Tomei are just fine. I like the scene where Spider Man says like, "All right, it's time to come clean," and he looks at both of them like, "Are you guys dating?" <laughs> yeah, and then what they do answer you differently. Yes, I like them. I and I liked when they're on. Um, Aunt May and Spider-Man are on the phone. Aunt May is at her job. And then Spider-Man discovers that Happy is like right there, <laughs> like having lunch with her. <laughs> like those yes. interactions are, are pretty fun. So I, yes. I enjoyed I enjoyed that relationship. It was good. It was I enjoyed that. Yeah. Yes. I was trying to help him, but. Happy. No, that's my lunch. Don't eat that one. Happy's there. Yeah, it's Happy. And he wants to say hi. Hi, Peter. Hey, Happy. Now, Peter and MJ, Tom Holland and Zendaya. I liked it. Yeah. I actually, I think Zendaya plays, like, I love her MJ choices. Yep. I love, like, I think she was the best part of Homecoming. The, actually, Homecoming was not my favorite as far as Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man movies. Spider-Man movies. Yep. Yeah. The way that she's, like, kind of a weird, contrarian. We all knew someone like that in high school. Or maybe you were someone like that. She has that... I am above this all this high school stuff, but she's still like a high schooler. Still weird, like a high schooler. Black Dahlia, like the murder. murder. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's broken. I actually like it better broken. I think her yeah. and Peter Parker together is a lot of fun. I don't necessarily believe at the end that they're like, all right, we're dating now. We're together. Right. But I don't mind. I don't mind. I'm happy that they both look like high schoolers in this movie. That's true. That makes me very happy. They do not look like 24-year-olds playing high schoolers, even though I think they're both, what is she? Uh, she might be younger. She's born in 96, so. Yeah, she's 33. Or 23, sorry. 23. I'm 33. She's 10 years younger. Excuse me. And Tom Holland is 23 as well. So they're both early 20s, but they pull off high school well. Well, I agree. I thought the lines that she has that are alluding to her being like dark 
like having a dark sense of humor and all that kind of yes. stuff. I, I think those are interesting choices and it was fun and maybe more relatable to a lot of people, you know? Yep. And I believe them. And the scene when Spider-Man thinks he's revealing that he is Tom Holland and vice versa. And she's like, yeah, I kind of figured, you know, that was Spider-Man reveals he's Tom Holland. That's that's right. meta. Yeah, that's- <laughs> and I'm Zendaya. <laughs> Spider-Man all the way down. Okay. Tell me about Tom Holland. How do you feel about like now you've seen several movies with Tom Holland as Peter Parker? Yeah. What are your thoughts? This is tough because I really feel like he plays a great Spider-Man. He probably plays it as close or as it would be in the comic books. I think he embodies that personality, maybe the best of any Spider-Man actor. I don't know what it is, but I still really like Tobey Maguire as (laughs) Spider-Man. I know, I know that's blasphemous, and these Spider-Man movies are supposedly way better, but something about Tobey Maguire, I don't know, like those shots of him staring off into the distance crying, they get me. I get the conflict, I think. The conflicts that Tobey Maguire has, I don't know, they're higher stakes maybe, or they're yes, more real, because like he's not... You know, Spider-Man 2 and 3 with Tobey Maguire, he's not in high school anymore, so he's like living life. Like he's trying to keep an apartment and deliver pizzas, and it feels really real life. Right. And this time, like this Spider-Man, again, it feels more like a comic book. Like, yeah, he's Spider-Man. And like, oh yeah, he's also in high school, but we're not, like that's kind of a side detail. I don't know, I feel like the first Spider-Man who really, I don't know, gets it. And like the struggle to want to be Spider-Man. Like Tom Holland in this movie, he didn't want to bring his spider-man costume to europe but he wasn't having some crisis of oh maybe i'm not even spider-man at all right his crisis was like i can't lead the like i can't be tony stark that was his crisis for for this movie right which i believed and like he didn't want to have to be spider-man on his school field trip which i get but i felt the crisis of identity more with toby Maguire, where he literally loses his powers and has to deal with that yeah, I don't know. That Spider-Man 2 with Doc Ock, man, I don't know. Still, It still might be my favorite. I think this is maybe more about the movies than about the actors. Mm. But I did feel that with the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, there was real stakes like the people he loved could get hurt by the fact that he's Spider-Man. Right. That is really... And that made it scary, like especially with like... Doc Ock and Green Goblin, there is a connection to Peter Parker through them. So there's this idea of, I really need to keep my identity. Right. That doesn't seem to be as much of the case with Tom Holland's Peter Parker. Aunt May is like introducing Spider-Man. They're seen together. There doesn't seem to be like, like in this movie, Beck goes after MJ and Ned and all the classmates because they may know about this thing. Right. But I didn't really feel a sense of like, man, he needs to protect those he loves or any sense of like, you know, Toby Maguire got super angry and super motivated because he has to keep the ones he loves safe from these bad guys. Yeah. There's not as much of a stakes, as you said, in this one. It's more lighthearted. I don't worry about Aunt May in these movies. In all the final scenes of the Toby Maguire Spider-Man, Mary Jane is in peril. Sure. And like, though it immediately gives stakes to those last scenes. And this one, I mean, you could say that the whole city is in peril, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels like this one bridge is in peril, and but it's really that right. Maybe Spider, like, can Spider Man stop him? It's somehow by getting bigger, it gets. It should be more impactful, but almost like 
we when we see the news sometimes it's more impactful to see someone getting rescued one person getting rescued from the roof during a hurricane than it is to hear the stats of what the damage a whole hurricane did Mm. like we connect to the individual stories right and there's just something about like this cataclysmic event that mysterio is planning doesn't quite maybe we're desensitized to it because we've seen (laughs) avengers fight a giant hole in the space so many times (laughs) It doesn't quite ring as like, I'm not scared by it. Yeah. Well, here's here's something that a friend of mine, Eric, who I've worked out with here recently, who's a big uh, Marvel fan, he said to me this morning when he heard that we were going to record this, Tobey Maguire makes a great Peter Parker, but not a good Spider-Man. Mm. And that rings true to me. Yeah. He was a great Peter Parker, but the Spider-Man in the comics, the Spider-Man that has always been created is like a boy who has a bunch of charisma, who's witty, who's funny, and kind of does his neighborhood Spider-Manning with a sense of humor and a sense of lightheartedness that Tobey Maguire did not bring to that performance. Hmm. I, I think I agree. And I agree also knowing it's Peter Parker that you identify with and it's Spider-Man that you watch doing the action. And so maybe that's why I still maybe prefer at least Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker because I identify like you could identify with it right i don't believe that that the tom holland peter parker version that he would have any problems in high school he is a good looking kid he's not (laughs) like weird enough to like be a social outcast right in this especially in in this day and age maybe back in like the 90s he'd be like oh you're a nerd blah 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 but this is 2019 if someone who is tom holland who's super smart and part of like the science team or whatever, and, but also really good looking, like he's going to be just fine in high school. He doesn't need to be Spider-Man. And maybe that's why yeah. he doesn't care. Like he wants to go on the trip and not be Spider-Man because he's doing just fine. I feel like too in the, in the Tobey Maguire ones, there were more stakes and losses because he had to be Spider-Man in secret. Like he loses his pizza delivery job because he's constantly <laughs> late. Right. And like Mary Jane wonders why he's never around. And it's not until the end of the second movie that Kristen Dunst realizes who he is. So I feel like in these, when MJ knows, Ned knows, Aunt May knows, like everybody knows who he is, there's not much stakes for, like you were saying, hiding his identity. They do the whole, oh, it's the black monkey Spider-Man in, in Europe, and, and we have to you know, make sure we don't know. Like, I don't feel like that's even a, a, a risk. It's not like, a thing anymore. Right. Hiding your identity and even the final reveal that when Beck says, he's peter parker like i think we have seen iron man live tony stark live as iron man for so long that i think to myself like oh he's gonna be fine if people know he's spider-man maybe not if they think he's a bad guy but knowing that peter parker is spider-man in this universe doesn't seem like the worst thing in the world tony stark did it right captain america does it (laughs) right yeah exactly they have a big old avengers headquarters yeah exactly I do want to get your thoughts on there. So there's the other guy that's trying to get with MJ and there's this scene where they're traveling on the field trip on the bus and Fury's henchmen pull Spider-Man into like a gas station to have him put on a new costume. The guy takes a picture of him with his pants off and this lady there. Right. Cause he's changing into like changing into his new outfit. And then there's this elaborate scene where He's trying to use the Edith glasses to delete the picture off the guy's phone, causes a drone to launch, and then... I like the, I like this scene. He's a target. He's a target. Copy um, that. Target is Brad Davis. 
Initiating strike. Initiating what now? Intercept point determined. Releasing kill vehicle. You like all that stuff? Yeah, you're going to tell me you didn't. No, no, I, I felt... I liked the stuff on the bus, like the, the high risk. Yeah. Like, oh, he doesn't know how to use these glasses, and now he's going to blow everybody up. You have to, like, figure out how he's doing Like, the bus stuff I was cool with. The jumping up through the window into, like... That was cool. That was cool. Yeah, that was cool. I feel like the pic- like taking a picture of him with his pants off felt a little unnecessary. Like, they probably could have put him in a precarious situation and done something similar without being awkward. I don't know. It felt awkward to me. Right. And there is part of me that goes like, well, that doesn't seem that big of stakes anyway. One, it would be easy to explain. It's not that compromising of a situation. And two, even if it was, he is not dating anyone at the moment. I guess it would maybe hurt <laughs> MJ. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Seems like there could be worse things. Well, how'd you feel about the, the chaperone teachers, the two guys that were... Okay. Them? I think they're the stars of this movie. <laughs> jb smooth right as one of the teachers and then the other like i don't know who that uh martin star plays mr harrington yeah we're going to the opera what? The opera. Don't look at me what happened to the carnival well this is upgrade living guys i loved it i loved him coming like truly the the side character stars of the movie like when mr harrington comes to the the door in their room is like you need to talk like I'm I'm actually not qualified to do this, but right. I forgot what he was going to ask. <laughs> yeah. And JB Smoove as Mr. Dell talking about how what is it, like witches or aliens or something. Right. He's like, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is not a good science trip at all. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I loved them. They were weird. They fit in this movie. I feel like they provided good comic relief. And in general, I think they used comedy well in the movie. The scene where Nick Fury just shot Ned in the neck and he like is down on the floor. Yes. And Fury's trying to talk to Spider-Man and people keep interrupting him. The teachers, you know, being one of them. Those were funny moments. I think that was good. Yes. Agreed. Not really qualified to do it anyway. So, good night. Where's my teacher? Sorry about that. You were saying... A village was destroyed by what may well be another world-threatening... Are you still awake? You're not answering any of my texts. Um, he's asleep, Betty. Let's talk about Brit Slips. <laughs> Man, it's been a while since we talked about Brit Slips. Yes. Okay. I am a little bit more knowledgeable since last time we spoke. Oh. Because I have learned that some of the biggest issues for a British person speaking with an American accent is the term roticity. Oh. Now... Roticity refers to whether you are pronouncing the R or not. So if you pronounce it, if you say car and you really pronounce that R, it's called a rotic R. If you are, let's say, Boston, New York, Mm. and you say pak the ka, and you're not Mm -hmm. saying the R, it's a non-rotic R. This is my lesson today for roticity. So British people, they use a non-rotic R. But a very common American, Midwest, and probably 90% of the U.S. uses a rotic R. Okay. So, when Tom Holland, every once in a while, he slips and uses a non-rotic R. And those, it can be so subtle. But we, as Americans, are so good at, like, we're able to see hear accents well because of the roticity of that R. Interesting. So, every once in a while, his American accent is very good. 98% of the movie, every once in a while, he uses a non-rotic R, and then some other times, he uses uh, a more proper A instead of an A. Uh It's a longer A. And those two things, I have now determined, those are the biggest things that give me the feeling every once in a while of, 
wait a minute. That's not American. <laughs> That's the Queen's English. This has been Britslip Corner with <laughs> Nate Baranowski. And so your word of the day is roticity. R-H-O-T-I-C-I-T-Y. Oh, that's so good. I, I enjoyed that, Nate. Thank you for bringing that. Oh, you're welcome. Some accents, when this R-ness gets dropped, other, that becomes a non-rhotic accent. When the R is on there, as in my own speech, that's called a rhotic accent. Other, er, er, er. I forgot he was British, so I wasn't listening for it. Well, and actually, I should, maybe I should have stated this at the outset. I watched this movie in a not ideal manner. I had this movie on my iPad and I watched it on the plane going to Dallas, Texas. Okay. And I only brought my AirPods to listen. Mm-hmm. I guess I had never tried to watch a movie with my AirPods on a plane, but it is very difficult to hear over the engine noise oh. with a non-isolating headphone. Right. So I pretty much watched this movie with captions. And I could hear the yelling during the action scenes, and that's about it. Okay. <laughs> Everything else was like a whisper. So there was no chance of me hearing a Brit slip. Okay. Got it. Well, that's what I'm here for. That's right. Thank you. Really thank identifying you. all of this. Can we talk about something real quick? Uh, yes, please. So a lot of this movie takes place in Europe. Yes. Do you miss New York Spider-Man? Or are you cool with Spider-Man International? In some of the environments where Spider-Man is, I feel like it would be harder for him to get around <laughs> and, f and fight because there's just not as many tall buildings. Mm -hmm. You know, Europe is not known for its skyscrapers right? for the most part. And so it seems, you know, it's one of those like, I don't know if you remember some of the older Spider-Man video games, but you could like web sling seemingly just into the open air. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, then, and they didn't, they never did that in the movie that I can remember, but there were a couple times that I was like, he's shooting his web at something. It's not on screen, but maybe, I guess, maybe there's something there. So I got a little bit of that, that in it. They really have to use set pieces, places in Europe that have towers and steeples and right. large bridges. Right. Those have to be the settings. Otherwise, you're right. If he's out in the middle of a farm field fighting someone, like what are you going right. to well, do? Well, like, when he's having to take out that drone on the bus, it's like, he can't do anything except jump, you know, which that's what he does. And he jumps out of the window. But yeah, I, I mean, I love New York. And so I love seeing Spider-Man there, but I'm good with a change of scenery. That was fine. Okay. Totally fine. Well, Nate, do you have any other thoughts on this movie? Jake Gyllenhaal has some good hair in this. I'm not saying I have hair envy, but I do. <laughs> but but I definitely <laughs> do. How did you feel about the heart-to-heart -heart talk scene with Happy? And Tom Holland in the plane as he's as Tom Holland's having his crisis of belief and failure. I don't think Tony would have done what he did if he didn't know that you were going to be here after he was gone. I thought it was I thought it was pretty good, and then it, it kind of becomes like you are a little bit more like Iron Man than you thought, and the parts that you're not like him, you shouldn't be like him because he was flawed. Yeah, in these different ways. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was a good scene. I did like that the suit building machine that's in that plane. That was pretty cool. I would have liked to see just one last time. I would have liked to see a little Tony Stark hologram Ooh. or some sort of recording. That would have been nice. I, I think the part of it is like we're supposed to really feel the emptiness without Tony Stark. Mm. But just as a fan, I would have liked to get a little like he, he records a message for Peter Parker. 
with those glasses, yeah. not just a note. That would have been cool. Yeah. Don't give these to Jake Gyllenhaal. He's bad. <laughs> you know, something like that. You know, Robert Downey Jr. is going to be Dr. Doolittle next. I don't know if you saw that. I did. I've seen the trailer. I'm ready. Yeah, not bad. All right, now we need to rate this movie. I'm going to rate it on a scale of zero to five Edith glasses. Because basically that's the whole reason why Mysterio exists, to get those glasses. I had you rate Aladdin last time first, so I guess I need to go. I'm struggling right now. Do you have a number in your head already? I do. See, right now I'm comparing it to my Aladdin rating from last week. Mm-hmm. So I'm, that's I'm tough. struggling. I'm struggling. I'm going to do a bit of a cop out here, Nate. And I'm going to give it, man, I don't know. I've never struggled this much to rate a movie. I don't know what's, I don't know what's going on. I'm enjoying watching it. This is great. Yeah. This, this is, this is tough. Cause here's a, here's what I'll be, let me audibly speak. Yeah. yeah yes. Process. Yes. Process. Yes. Process for me. I rated Aladdin a three and a half. And maybe when we revisit this later in the year, that that'll change slightly, mm-hmm. not majorly, but slightly. But if I compare that to Spider-Man Far From Home, it, it's not worse. You know, upon like rewatchability, probably would rather see Aladdin one more time than Far From Home. So I feel like Far From Home can't get more than Aladdin. But I also feel like if I start getting under three and a half, that doesn't feel right either. I mean, this thing got 95% audience satisfaction. So it's a, it's a big struggle. I'll process with you as well. Yes. I had a very similar thought as well. I'm going to give this movie a three and a half, I think. Mm. because I couldn't quite kind of compare between the two. Yeah. But three and a half feels right for me. Okay, now go. You're going to do a whole rating. Okay, I'm going to do a whole rating for Tom Thomas, Tom Bombadil. Mm-hmm. Do you know if he's, does he still listen? Does Tom still listen? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> he's, he, he's, a, he's a nomad. I just see him posting everywhere. He's all over the place. But anyway, this, this is probably, I'm just going to give it a three. I'm going to give it a three glasses <gasps> rating. Ooh. I'm going to give it a three because after all that I've said in this episode and my maybe unjustifiable liking of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans plus my thoughts on Aladdin from last week equals three. I'm going to give it a three. I think I'd be more interested to see Homecoming again before this one. If I was going to rewatch a Tom Holland Spider-Man, I'd kind of maybe want to watch that one. And remember Michael Keaton in that cab was very menacing. That was good. That was very good. And of all the Spider-Man movies, I'd probably watch Spider-Man 2 with Doc Ock before either of these again, if I had to choose a Spider-Man. So yeah, I think, I think it's going to be a three for me. A three. That's all I have to say. You were so complimentary during this review. It felt like you were really liking it. Well, and that's the thing. I understand. You know, if, if I was rating just on what is wrong with this movie, it maybe should be higher. But I think this week I'm rating it compared to the other things that I enjoy. Okay. And compared to those things, I think that's what, that's what makes it a three. On the Robles scale. On the Robles scale. R- Robles-o-meter. Mm-hmm. Nay, we didn't, we didn't plan a top five for today. I did. I did plan one. Oh, you did? You just didn't know, you just didn't know about it. <laughs> I didn't. Okay. Well, you tell me. I got to figure out my list. Okay. So. Yes. For the top five today, we will be doing top five Spider-Man villains from all of the movies. Nate, I was going to suggest this exact top five. <laughs> we are. I was literally going to suggest Lost this exact thing. Okay. Oh my goodness, so good. Dear listeners, we're going to kind of 
play along with you here because we have not really done prep for this, but I want to just kind of go through, think along with us. I'm going to list out the bad guys from the Star the, the Star Wars. <laughs> nope, not the Star Wars, the Spider-Man movies. Here's what we have. We're going to go main villains here. We're going to go Green Goblin from the first one, Doc Ock from the second one. I'm going to go with Venom for the third one, right? More than that is correct. Clayface. Correct. Okay. Yep. Venom from the third one. It was also not Clayface. It was Sandman. But anyway. <gasps> You're right. Sandman. For the first Andrew Garfield one. It was the lizard, wasn't it? Oh, yes. Lizard Man. Yeah. <laughs> right. For the yeah. second Andrew Garfield <laughs> one, we have Jamie Foxx as Electro. Correct. Okay. For uh, the cartoon Spider-Man, we have Kingpin. Ooh. For the first Tom Holland one, it is... Michael Keaton. Vulture. Vulture. And then we have Jake Gyllenhaal, Mysterio, for this last one. So those are all of them. Hey. Everyone take a moment and think through them. I totally wasn't even thinking about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So that was a, that was a, I'm glad you went through that list. You liked the animation of that Kingpin, I remember, from our review. Yes. Yes, I do. I'm also going to give you a spoiler alert. I have no Andrew Garfield villains in my <laughs> top five. That's fair. That is fair. All right. You ready? You were that fast with it? Oh, yeah. No problem. My number five is Michael Keaton's Vulture. Mm. Not so much when he's dressed up like a vulture, but just his overall demeanor. We talked about okay. that car scene. That's what puts him on the list for me. Number five. Well, I'm putting Mysterio at number five. Mm -hmm. I did. I liked him as a villain. A little crazed at times, but uh, yeah, he's number five for me. Okay. Number four for me is Mysterio. Mm-hmm. I almost said Glenn Beck. What is, no, that's not his name. What, what is his name? <laughs> Quentin Beck? Jake Gyllenhaal? <laughs> no, his, his, he's not actually oh. Mysterio. Like his character name is like Quentin, Quentin Beck. Quentin Beck. You got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Glenn Beck is your top four villain. Got it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so, so Mysterio number four for me. I, I think the illusions are cool. If you're going to be a villain against Spider-Man, I have to know that you're powerful enough to give him a run for his money. And the illusions really make Mysterio powerful enough to really take it to Spider-Man. And that's cool. Well, we just switched on four and five because mm -hmm. I put Vulture as number four. Uh, I liked Michael Keaton as a villain a little more than Jake Gyllenhaal. And from what I remember, I feel like that last fight scene was pretty cool with Vulture and Spider-Man. So I'm um, giving that number four. Okay, wonderful. My number three is Kingpin from Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. We talked yep. about it during that episode. If you want to hear about our thoughts on that movie, go listen to our episode on it. That's right. But the animation on Kingpin, making him as big as a door frame. <laughs> yes. Uh, great voice acting. I think that was Vincent D'Onofrio. No, it wasn't. Was it? Did I make that up? Sugar. Sugar water. <laughs> Sugar water. I'm going to need a snack. Okay, here's the thing. If I got that wrong and it's not Vincent D'Onofrio's voice, then I'll in the Apology Tour episode, I'll correct that. But Kingpin is my number three. Well, we share number three. He is also number three for me. Kingpin. Steven, now we're going to come to two and one, and I'm pretty sure we have the exact same. But the order of these two is very, it's very tough for me. Yep. For my number two, I'm going to go with Doc Ock. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. But we'll talk about these afterwards. I'll just okay. leave it there. Well, my number two is Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> and my number one is Doc Ock. 
My number I one is Lizard is... Man. Oh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> my number one's Green Goblin. So we we switched our one and twos. We switched these. Okay. All right. Give me your TED talk. I need this right now. You tell me. I believe Spider-Man 2 is a better movie than Spider-Man 1, but you have to convince me that Doc Ock is a better villain. Go. So I believe that the Green Goblin, he became a villain because he wanted to prove that he was right and he gave his dose to himself. I think he was already a little evil is what I'm saying. Green Goblin was already on the road there and becoming superhuman kind of really sealed the deal. And I I think he's a great villain. Don't get me wrong. And he goes across movies because he kind of returns in Spider-Man 3 by by voice and then by his son. But Doc Ock, he was just, he just wanted to make cool things. And I don't think he was at all evil at first, but through the loss of his wife and his experiment getting out of control, he became evil, I think almost against his will. Because remember, in the very last scene when Spider-Man destroys that neural chip or whatever that was broken and so the arms were controlling or you know making him do things that he didn't mean to he turned good again and so that that idea that he is actually well-intentioned well-means was not evil beforehand i find his trans like i find it more compelling that's why i like doc ock thank you for coming today yes thanks for coming my argument is exactly the same but i think it makes more sense for green goblin i believe that green goblin both of them kind of fight within themselves. They both have like a dark side to them. Sure. Uh, Doc Ock's manifestation is through his little arms, uh, yeah. tentacles, kind of talking to them. Here's my, my main point. I think having the tentacles kind of whispering things to him and bringing about Doc Ock's change towards the bad is good. I think having this evil inside of you and you talk to a mirror (laughs) as you as like your face changes and you're having like arguments against yourself and it's filmed through a mirror is twice as creepy Mm. as talking to your tentacle things and makes for a much more disturbing scene and that's why green goblin barely gets the edge over doc ock I'm not saying, I, I don't disagree. I just, I understand my subjective preferences is Doc Ock. You feel more like a Doc Ock inside than you do a Green Goblin, is what you're saying. That if you had eight <laughs> tentacle arms and a neural chip, you could see, mm-hmm. you understand the plight of Doc Ock. Yeah, I guess he's more relatable. Yep. Yeah, there you go. And the whole fusion thing. Listeners, tell us, what is the best villain from across Spider-Man movies? We would love to hear it. Comment on our Instagram post when it goes up and uh, tell us what you think. And don't forget to check out patreon.com slash movies on the side, motsfam.com for Mott's merchandise, which Nate is getting his as we record this today, as we record. I'm just so waiting you, by the door, looking out see, the window. That's right. You might see a picture of him wearing Mott's paraphernalia pretty soon. And yeah, I guess that's it. We have done it.